Good morning, everyone. It is the 11th of July. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Pella Strataki and Alex Byrne. Equity markets turned in a largely positive week, except for China, where there are concerns gathering over further COVID lockdowns. But after a peaceful week or so in the US bond markets, the minutes of the US Fed's last meeting seem to reignite volatility, Pella. Thank you, Lorna. That's correct. Minutes from the Federal Reserve's June meeting were released this past Wednesday. Recall the June meeting was a rather momentous occasion as the Fed raised interest rates by 0.75% in one go, the largest hike since the mid-90s. The minutes were fairly hawkish in tone, stating Fed officials were concerned that, and I quote, inflation could become entrenched if the public began to question the resolve of the committee. This is not good news for bonds. U.S. bond yields duly rose and have maintained an upward trajectory in the past few days. The U.S. 10-year yield is just shy of 3.1% right now. The yield curve also inverted, which means the yield of 10-year bonds dropped below the level of yield offered by two-year debt. In normal circumstances, longer maturity bonds offer higher yields than shorter maturity instruments, so a reversal of this relationship is taken to signal an impending recession. It is indeed. But what explanation was given for this 75 basis points rate hike when the market had been steered to expect 50 basis points? There was no allusion to the previous 50 bips guidance. The message was uh, very much forward-looking, and a key takeaway was the Fed's commitment to fight inflation, even if it means slowing down the economy. The minutes, in fact, stated that an even more restrictive policy stance could be appropriate if elevated inflation pressures were to persist. Yes, that was a fairly clear message. Was there any guidance for the rate hike that's expected later this month? The minutes indicated we are looking at either 50 bips or 75 bips again, which will be announced at the meeting on the 27th of July. I would say consensus appears to be building for a second consecutive 75 basis point interest rate increase. That would get us to a target range for the federal funds rate of 2.25 to 2.5 percent. Yes, it is fairly strong action from the Fed. And we have noted before that there is this divergence in central banking tensions seems to be falling on east-west lines at the moment. And we're also seeing this east-west split coming through in economic data, Alex. That's right, Lorna. The latest forward-looking manager surveys in Europe and the US showed a sharp decline over last month as the economies begin to roll over. Compared to China, where we've seen both the services and manufacturing outlook given by the PMI surveys, hit their highest level in over 11 months, experiencing a rapid rebound in June as the strict epidemic prevention and control measures are now largely relaxed across the entire country, but especially in those larger cities previously hampered. China's divergence is clear, delaying the recovery they experienced, which happened far early in the West, and secondly, treading the middle ground and taking advantage of the situation in Russia. Clearly, they're not hampering their own economy to pressure Putin as the West is. On the inflation side, although faster than expected, the 2.5% figure last month in China is pale in comparison to the high, single, low double-digit numbers we see coming out of the US and European countries. Again, the above rationales largely explain these differences. And the US employment data remain a bright spot, although possibly with a fueling effect on inflation as the Fed quite clearly fears. And in fact, we saw a positive surprise from the US non-farm payrolls data, Pella. Indeed, the US economy added 372,000 jobs in June, exceeding expectations by more than 100,000. The expectation was for 268,000. The unemployment rate held steady at 3.6%. The key point here is that this rate of increase is not considered sustainable in the face of aggressive tightening by the Fed. We would expect to see these numbers come down in the coming months. Yes, it'd be interesting to see how those 
do data points diverge or not? The coming week then will bring June CPI inflation data from the US and the Eurozone. They'll be closely watched for signs that inflation could now in fact be topping out in these economies. And the corporate reporting season will kick off, certainly for US and Europe. With the war continuing in Ukraine, Alex, it's been a challenging quarter for Europe. Indeed. However, we don't really see that coming through, that pessimism in analyst expectations of companies' numbers, a pretty worrying reality. So although 80% of expected earnings growth stems from commodity sectors this year, the remainder of the economies are still expected by analysts to see more mediocre positive growth, but still positive, in stark contrast to the burdensome economic situation the West is beginning to find itself under. High inflation, continued supply-side constraints, demand beginning to wane, and sentiment starting to come off. The unwavering positive outlooks stuck to by analysts must be seen to be a risk in the very near future. Yes, and what are expectations for the US Q2 earnings, Pella? Well, this earnings cycle could be tricky as few adjustments have been made to forecasts so far, despite macro downgrades. Since mid-June, EPS revisions have begun to turn more negative for 2022 and 2023, but by modest amounts. The percentage of companies issuing negative EPS guidance is higher than average, however still not anywhere near the levels we've seen in previous negative periods. So there seems to be room for negative guidance from more companies from here on. It'll be very interesting to watch. It will indeed. And thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Lorna. Thank you, Lorna.